0: Hello, and welcome to the fifth series of Grim Reading. Hello. We are back reading and reviewing the wonderful Grimm's fairy tales. Things, though, are slightly different this time around. Oh, yeah. In that the order we're going to be reading the stories has been entirely determined by our patrons. They've taken control. We ran a huge story poll over the summer uh, for our patrons, and the winner of the poll, was to be the opening story of Series 5. As you might have guessed, the winner was... The Valiant Little Taylor. The Valiant Little Taylor, with 39% of the vote. So quite a massive uh, percentage of the vote out of six stories, I believe, the Valiant Little Taylor emerged victorious.
1: Yeah, very decisive victory there. Well, let's hope that it lives up to that victory. Here it is. The opening episode, the premiere episode of series five. Let's get cracking. Hello
0: there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a brother's grim tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading,
1: The valiant little
0: tailor. So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a
1: grim reading.
0: One summer's morning, a little tailor was sitting on his table by the window. He was in good spirits and sewed with all his might. Why is he sat on the table?
1: (laughs) What is it? <laughs> it's not on any it? It's going to be a long evening. <laughs> oh dear, you've already lost me.
0: Well, he's a little guy. He's up on the table. What, how little? And he's sewing with all his might. Uh. Then came a peasant woman down the street crying, Good jams cheap! Good jams cheap! <laughs> I like the sound of this. This rang pleasantly in the tailor's ears. He stretched his delicate head out of the window and called... Come up here, dear woman. Here you'll get rid of your goods. (laughs) Is he in need of some jam? The woman came up the three steps to the tailor with her heavy basket, and he made her unpack all of the pots for him. He inspected all of them, lifted them up, put his nose to them, and at length said, The jam seems to me to be good, so weigh me out three ounces, dear woman, and if it comes to a quarter of a pound, I'll not complain. The woman, who had hoped to find a good sale, gave him what he desired but went away quite angry and grumbling. He's come off quite well then. She's a little bit like, okay, all right, I haven't made the best sale. But yeah. but he's laughing.
1: <laughs> well, he's the valiant little tailor.
0: Now, God bless this jam, cried the little tailor. And give me health and strength. So he brought the bread out of the cupboard, cut himself a piece right across the loaf and spread the jam over it. This... Right across
1: the loaf, you say?
0: <laughs> yeah. This won't taste bitter, said he. But I'll just finish the jacket before I take a bite. Hmm. So he's being prudent there. He's like. Yeah, he's got work to do. He's about to put it in his mouth. He was like, you know what? I'm going to finish my work. Yeah. He laid the bread near him, sewed on, and in his joy, made bigger and bigger stitches. In the meantime, the smell of the sweet jam ascended to the wall where the flies were sitting in great numbers. <sighs> oh, ugh. And they were attracted and descended on it in hosts. Ho! Oh, who invited you, said the little tailor, <laughs> "Question." and drove the unbidden guests away. The flies, however, who understood no words, would not be turned away, but came back again in ever-increasing companies.
1: Uh, this is horrendous.
0: This is turning into a horror film. The little tailor at last lost all patience and got a bit of cloth from the hole under his work table and saying, Wait, and I'll give it to you, he struck it mercilessly on them. So he's got a dishcloth out and he's whipping at the flies. Exactly. okay. It's just a bit of cloth. When he drew it away and counted, there lay before him no fewer than seven, dead and with legs stretched out. Are you a fellow of that sort? said he, and couldn't help admiring his own bravery. The whole town shall know of this, he continued. (laughs) "The, The whole world shall hear of it. And the little tailor hastened to cut himself a girdle, stitched it, and embroidered on it in large letters, seven at one stroke. Wait,
1: wait, this, what, this is, no. He's so proud of the fact he's killed seven flies. Mm -hmm. He's made himself a girdle. And embroidered on it seven
0: at one stroke. Seven at one stroke. Because he killed seven flies (laughs) with one stroke.
1: And he struts down the high street. And people are like, seven at one stroke. What does that mean? Oh, thank you for asking. Well, I mean, don't get ahead of yourself, Adam. Just let the story unfold, right? I'm I'm enjoying it so much.
0: I mean, he's thinking along the similar lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his heart wagged with joy like a lamb's tail. Sorry. A heart wagged? His heart wagged with joy.
1: Oh, he's wagging his heart. What is that? What?
0: <laughs> I think I read that that was literally a phrase taken from a book by another author that the Grimm's had read. So as they kind of developed this story, they kind of peppered it with like all these little phrases that you can literally trace to other books. Oh, wow. They could have just like, oh, I like that. It's heart wagged with and joy. And one,
1: one of them really liked the phrase. Yeah, it's heart wagged with joy. <laughs>
0: The tailor put on the girdle and resolved to go forth into the world because he thought his workshop was too small for his valour. <laughs> so he yeah, he's all right, Adam. He's he's outgrown his uh
1: Oh yeah. And, yeah his workshop. He's 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 too good for uh sat there making little jackets and stuff. He's gonna do this whole sort of talk show circuit. <laughs> uh, he's got this great anecdote about yeah. killing seven flies. Yeah, he's got, Yeah, he's got a few book deals. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're gonna do um, someone's Uh, They're like bidding for the movie rights for a story. He's going to do a TED Talk. (laughs) They'll make you cry. Oh, Oh, yeah. And laugh. It's a beautiful story. This guy. Yeah.
0: He's one valiant little tailor.
1: (laughs) It's so brave.
0: So that's happened. So he's on his way out. Now, before he went away, he sought about in the house to see if there was anything which he could take with him. However, he found nothing but old cheese. (laughs) (laughs) And that he put in his pocket. In front of the door he observed a bird which had caught itself in the thicket. That had to go in his pocket with the cheese. Now, he took to the road (laughs) boldly, and as he was light and nimble, he felt no fatigue. The road led him up a mountain, and when he had reached the highest point of it, there sat a powerful giant looking about him quite comfortably. The little tailor went bravely up, spoke to him, and said, "'Good day, comrade. "'So you're sitting there overlooking the widespread world?' I'm just on my way there and want to try my luck. Have you any inclination to go with me? The giant looked contemptuously at the tailor and said, You ragamuffin, you miserable creature. Oh, indeed, answered the little tailor and unbuttoned his coat.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no, you didn't.
0: And showed the giant the girdle.
1: (laughs) What do you think of that?
0: There you may read what kind of a man I am. Yeah. The giant read, Seven at one stroke. And thought that they had been men whom the tailor had killed and began to feel a little respect for the tiny fellow. (laughs) Nevertheless, he wished to try him first and took a stone in his hand and squeezed it so that water dropped out of it. Eh? Do that likewise, said the giant, if you have the strength. So the giant's picked up a stone and squeezed it so the water comes out of it. I mean... And now he's challenged... The brave little tailor.
1: Oh yeah, let's see so you put your money where your mouth is. Well, yeah, I mean, how do we think the tailor's going to handle this? I don't know, it's a bit of a step up from swatting some flies, isn't it? I, I don't how. hold up much hope for the little fella. Let's see how he fares. Is that all? said the tailor.
0: <laughs> oh, he's got all the smack talk. That is child's play with <laughs> us. <laughs> let's go. And he put his hand into his pocket brought out the soft cheese and pressed it until the liquid ran out of it. <laughs> Faith, said he, that was good, wasn't it? The giant did not know what to say and could not believe it of the little man. So the giant think thought that that was a stone.
1: Why did he think? Well, it looks a bit like a stone. So old, the cheese it looked like a stone.
0: Then the giant picked up a stone and threw it so high that the eye could scarcely follow it. Now, little might of a man, do that likewise. Oh, I figured this out. Well thrown, said the tailor. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good throw, but have you seen this? But after all, the uh, stone came down to earth again. I'll throw you one, which will never come back at all. And he put his hand into his pocket, took out the bird, and threw it into the air. The bird, delighted with its liberty, rose, flew away, and did not come back. "'How does that shot please you, comrade?' (laughs) asked the tailor. (laughs) "'You can certainly throw,' said the giant. "'But now we will see if you are able to carry anything properly.' He took the little tailor to a mighty oak tree, which lay there felled on the ground, and said, "'If you are strong enough, help me to carry the tree out of the forest.' Uh oh "'Readily,' answered the little man. You take the trunk on your shoulders and I'll raise up the branches and twigs. After all, they're the heaviest. The giant took up the trunk on his shoulder, but the tailor seated himself on a branch and the giant, who could not look round, had to carry away the whole tree and the little tailor to boot. (laughs) The tailor was quite merry and happy and whistled the song Three tailors rode from the gate as if carrying the tree were child's play.
1: Three tailors rode... what?
0: He's, whist- he's whistling a song called The Three Tailors Rode Forth From the Gate.
1: Oh, I see.
0: Now, I did have a little look at that. I found a song about three journeyman tailors. Okay. A kind of old folk song, which is about uh, three tailors that cause a little bit of mischief on the Rhine, which to me implies that it's a German song and yeah. therefore probably applies to this. And that's probably what he's, uh, what he's whistling. Would make sense. So I think I got to the bottom of that.
1: Okay, interesting.
0: But it's weird that it has specifically said the name of a song that he's it's whistling It's
1: called Three Tailors."
0: Rode forth from the gates. Yeah. The giant, after he had dragged the heavy burden part of the way, could go no further and cried, Oh, I shall have to let the tree fall. The tailor sprang nimbly down, seized the tree with both arms as if he'd been carrying it, and said to the giant, Oh, you're such a great fellow, and yet you can't even carry the tree. Oh, he's always giving a, giving a bit cheek. They went on together, and as they passed a cherry tree, the giant laid hold of the top of the tree where the ripest fruit was hanging, bent it down, put it into the tailor's hand, and bade him eat. Because he thinks he's strong, so he thinks that's fine. But the little tailor was much too weak to hold the tree, and when the giant let it go, it sprang back up again, (laughs) and the tailor was hurried into the air with it.
1: Oh, I love it.
0: When he had fallen back down again without injury, the giant said, What is this? Have you not strength enough to hold the weak oh, twig? Ah, oh, he's found out. it has been found out. There's no lack of strength, answered the little tailor. Do you think that could be anything to a man who has struck down seven at one blow? No, I leapt over the tree because the huntsmen are shooting down there in the thicket. Jump as I did if you can do it. The giant made the attempt but couldn't get over the tree and remained hanging in the branches. So that in this also the tailor kept the upper hand. just just so we're clear the tailor's won there yeah 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 he's won every
1: single situation
0: the giant said if you're such a valiant fellow come with me into our cavern and spend the night with us the tailor was willing and followed him when they went into the cave other giants were sitting there by the fire and each of them had a roasted sheep in his hand and was eating it the little tailor looked round and thought oh it's much more spacious here than in my workshop The giant showed him a bed, and said that he was to lie down in it and sleep. The bed, however, was too big for the little tailor, and he did not lie down in it, but crept into a corner. Wow, that's a big bed. When it was midnight, and the giant thought that the little tailor was lying in a sound sleep, he got up, took a great iron bar, and cut through the bed with one blow, and thought he had given the runt his finishing stroke. Oh, he wants to kill him? Mm hmm With the earliest dawn, the giants went into the forest, and had quite forgotten the little tailor. When all at once, he walked up to them quite merrily and boldly. The giants were terrified. They were afraid that he would strike them all dead, and they ran away in a great hurry. Job done. Giants taken care of.
1: Yeah, I feel like this is um, a computer game or something. It's like he's completed that level. (laughs) Ding! (laughs) (laughs) Level up. XP gained. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, he's done it. Yeah,
0: he's taken those giants. Destroyed the giants. Made them look rightful. Taylor
1: wins. (laughs) Taylor wins. (laughs) Well,
0: there we go. That's all taken care of. Yeah, job done. The little Taylor went onwards. Okay. Always following his own pointed nose. (laughs) After he'd walked for a long time, he came to the courtyard of a royal palace. And as he felt weary, he lay down on the grass and fell asleep. While he lay there, the people came and inspected him on all sides and read on his girdle, seven at one stroke. Um. Ah, said they. Why is the great warrior here in the midst of peace? He must be a mighty lord. They went and announced to the king and gave it as their opinion that if war should break out, this would be a weighty and useful man who ought on no account to be allowed to depart.
1: Wow. Do you know what's going on? Um, They think he's a fearsome fighter and they want him to work for them. The little tailor's just gone to sleep in a field. Yeah, because he'd the, been up all night avoiding the giants, hadn't he? Yeah. Townspeople came around, just looked
0: at him, and just studied him, and they saw seven at one blow. They ran to the king and were like, if we have a war king, I want this guy yeah. on our side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get him in. The council pleased the king, and he sent one of his courtiers to the little tailor to offer him military service when he awoke.
1: <laughs> this <laughs> this is, is so insane. Absolutely absurd. <laughs> <laughs> oh... oh.
0: The ambassador remained standing by the sleeper and waited until he stretched his limbs and opened his eyes and then conveyed to him this proposal. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. He's just standing there with his hands behind his back. Yeah, like wait, stockings. To... And like
1: Wake up. Taylor's like... Oh.
0: <sighs> He's just tapping his foot. Ah, oh, young sir. <laughs> How do you think the tailor's going to react to this proposal?
1: Um
0: shock might be a little might feel a bit much maybe i don't know
1: what do do, you think or (laughs) or he might go this is beneath me i've slayed seven in one blow (laughs) well let's see
0: (laughs) for this very reason i've come here the tailor replied i am ready to enter the king's service he was therefore honorably received and a special dwelling was assigned him The soldiers, however, were set against the little tailor and wished him a thousand miles away. What is to be the end of this, they said amongst themselves. Mm. If we quarrel with him and he strikes about him, seven of us will fall at every blow. Not one of us can stand against him. Mm. They came, therefore, to a decision, went to the king and begged for their own dismissal. We are not prepared, said they, to stay with a man who kills seven at one stroke. The king was sorry that for the sake of one he should lose all his faithful servants and he wished that he'd never set eyes on the tailor and would willingly get rid of him again but he did not venture to give him his dismissal for he dreaded that he should strike him and all his people dead and place himself on the royal throne. He thought about it for a long time and at last found good counsel. He sent to the little tailor and had him informed that as he was such a great warrior the king had one request to make of him In a forest of his country lived two giants who caused great mischief with their robbing, murdering, ravaging, and burning, and no one could approach them without putting himself in danger of death. If the tailor conquered and killed these two giants, he would give him his only daughter to wed, and half of his kingdom as a dowry. Likewise, one hundred horsemen should go with him to assist him. That would indeed be a fine thing for a man like me, thought the little tailor. One is not offered a beautiful princess and half a kingdom every day of one's life. Oh, yes, he replied. I will soon subdue the giants and do not require the help of the hundred horsemen to do it. He who can hit seven with one blow has no need to be afraid of two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this has gone too far. I love it. Okay. I can't wait to see what happens next. Two, he's dealt with one giant before. Please. Two? Please. This Give me is a, a break. be a cakewalk. He's uh, just absolutely going to destroy this. Busman's holiday. Yeah, oh, for yeah, this yeah, guy. Yeah. For, for the little tailor. So the little
0: tailor went forth and the hundred horsemen followed him. When he came to the outskirts of the forest, he said to his followers, just stay waiting here. I alone will soon finish off the giants. <laughs> Sorry. i got to stop laughing every time I read one of his lines. It's
1: just, uh, oh. it's just good. Good value for money. The tailor is <laughs> He's so cocky. <laughs> it's like out of control. <laughs> You boys stay there. Don't worry, I've got this, guys. Leave this to me. Hold my beer. It's a bit like... You might want to step back. This is going to get ugly. Leave this to the (laughs) grown-up. Oh, I love this guy. Right. Then he bounded
0: into the forest and looked about right and left.
1: (laughs) a little tailor.
0: (laughs) turned into Jean-Claude Van Damme. (laughs) After a while, he perceived both giants. They lay sleeping under a tree and snored so that the branches waved up and down. The little tailor, not idle, gathered two pocketfuls of stones and with these climbed up the tree. When he was halfway up, he slipped down by a branch until he sat just above the sleepers. And then he let one stone after another fall on the breast of one of the giants. For a long time the giant felt nothing, but at last he awoke, pushed his comrade and said, Why are you knocking me? You must be dreaming, said the other. I'm not knocking you. They laid themselves down to sleep again. And then the tailor threw a stone down on the second giant. What is the meaning of this? Cried the other. Why are you pelting me? (laughs) I'm not pelting you, answered the first, growling. (gasps) They disputed about it for a time. But as they were weary, they let the matter rest, and their eyes closed once more. Uh The little tailor began his game again, picked out the biggest stone and threw it with all his might on the breast of the first giant. that is too much, cried he, and sprang up like a madman and pushed his companion against the tree until it shook. The other paid him back in the same coin and they got into such a rage that they tore up trees and belabored each other so long that at last they both fell down dead on the ground at the same time. (laughs) Then the little tailor leapt down. (laughs) At the same time... (laughs) That's (laughs)
1: That's <laughs> handy, isn't
0: it? <laughs> oh, it's a lucky thing, said he, that they did not tear up the tree which I was sitting on. or well, I should have had to spring onto another like a squirrel, but we tailors are nimble. <laughs> so I could have done it, Funny so, I needed It didn't happen, but had it <laughs> happened, it would have been fine. <laughs> he drew out his sword and gave each of them a couple of thrusts in the breast, and then he went out to the horseman and said, The work is done. I've given both of them their finishing stroke, but it was hard work. They tore up trees in their sore need and defended themselves with them. But all that is to no purpose when a man like myself comes, who can kill seven at one blow.
1: (laughs) This tagline, this little like... Seven at one blow. It's going to have it on like
0: badges and t-shirts and coffee cups.
1: Oh, it's the seven in one blow guy. Hey. But are you not wounded?
0: Asked the horseman. You need not concern yourself about that, answered the tailor. They've not bent one hair of mine. The horseman would not believe him and rode into the forest. There they found the giants swimming in their blood, and all around about them lay the torn up trees. The little tailor demanded of the king the promised reward. To marry his daughter and inherit half the kingdom. Yep. He, however, repented of his promise. Uh-oh. And again thought of how he could get rid of the hero. Before you receive my daughter and half of my kingdom, said he to him, you must perform one more heroic deed. Mm. In the forest roams a unicorn, which does great harm, and you must catch it first.
1: Okay, we got unicorns.
0: I fear one unicorn, still less than two giants. Seven at one blow is my kind of affair.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is Charles Plates, sir. This is, quite frankly, beneath me.
0: He took a rope and an axe with him, went forth into the forest, and again bade those who were sent with him to wait outside. Stay back,
1: guys. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got this.
0: He had to seek long. The unicorn soon came towards him and rushed directly at the tailor, Mm. as if he would spear him on his horn without more ceremony. Softly, softly. Can't be done as quickly as that, said he, and stood still and waited until the animal was quite close and then sprang nimbly behind the tree. The unicorn... Ran against the tree with all its strength And struck its horn so fast in the trunk That it had not enough strength to draw it out again And thus it was caught (laughs) It's got its horn stuck in the tree It's impaled the tree, yeah Wow Now I've got him, said the tailor And came out from behind the tree And put the rope around its neck And then with his axe, he hewed the horn out of the tree And when all was ready, he led the beast away And took it to the king
1: Wow He cut the unicorn's horn off He cut it off it does feel wrong. It does feel wrong. And I also think now it looks like he's just riding a horse.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> like, Taylor, you brought me a horse. Where's the unicorn? No,
0: I... Okay, it, it was a bit it stupid. Was a it was a little stupid, but I cut the horn off. Okay, I'm sorry. But seven of one blow, that's my kind of affair. <laughs> so he's done it, though. Yeah. The king still would not give him the promised reward and made a third demand. Uh-huh. Before the wedding, the tailor was to catch him a wild boar that made great havoc in the forest and the huntsmen should give him their help. Willingly, said the tailor, that is child's play. He did not take the huntsman with him into the forest and they were well pleased that he did not for the wild boar had several times received them in such a manner that they had no inclination to lie in wait for him. When the boar perceived the tailor, so he's found him, he's found the yeah. boar, it ran at him with foaming mouth and wetted tusks and was about to throw him to the ground. But the active hero sprang into a chapel which was near. (laughs) (laughs) What? We can't just throw that in there. (laughs) And up to the window at once, and in one bound out again. The boar ran in after him, but the tailor ran round outside and shut the door behind it, and then the raging beast, which was much too heavy and awkward to leap out of the window, was caught.
1: It's just, it's just Looney Tunes so Are I going instrumental? mental <laughs> Do you get what happened there? Yeah The boar chased him inside the nearby chapel Yeah he, And as quick as the boar could get in He ran upstairs, jumped out the window And shut the door behind it So yes. now it's trapped in the chapel
0: Exactly And presumably causing absolute pandemonium in the chapel <laughs> Ripping up pews and destroying the altar <laughs> The little tailor called the huntsmen there that they might see the prisoner with their own eyes. The hero went to the king who was now whether he liked it or not obliged to keep his promise and the king gave him his daughter and half of his kingdom. Had he known that it was no warlike hero but a little tailor who was standing before him it would have made his heart even less happy than it was. The wedding was held with great magnificence and small joy. Bleak. And out of a tailor, a king was made. Wow. After some time, the young queen. You, you'd think that might be the end. Well, but I, just, I thought we were about to wrap no, up. No? no, sir. Okay. We're not quite done here. Interesting. After some time, the young queen heard her husband
1: say in his dreams at night. <laughs> say in his dreams. <laughs> Matt, be honest now. This story's never going to end, is it? I, the jam feels like a lifetime ago. Doesn't it?
0: It really does. A good jam cheap. Yeah. A long time ago. He's come a long way. He's it gone really from his has. little workshop yeah. to he's in bed with the queen, his wife.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you put his wife there. She is his wife. <laughs> he's just in bed with the queen. It's very old-fashioned to be <laughs> It's just an extraordinary statement. <laughs> She's <laughs> gone from his little workshop and now he's in bed with a coin. And she's sort of heard him say in his dreams at night. Oh,
0: boy, make me the doublet and patch the um, pantaloons or else I'll wrap the yard measure over your ears. Hmm. Then she discovered in what state of life the young lord had been born and next morning complained of her wrongs to her father and begged him to help her get rid of her husband, who was nothing else but a tailor. Oh, no. He's betrayed that he's a tailor in his sleep. Yeah, shouldn't have let that slip. The king comforted her and said, Leave your bedroom door open this night, and my servants shall stand outside. And when he has fallen asleep, shall go in, bind him, and take him on board a ship which will carry him into the wide world. The woman was satisfied with this. But the king's armor-bearer, who had heard all, was friendly with the young lord, and informed him of the whole plot. It's got a man on the inside. Uh-oh. I'll put a screw into that business, said the little tailor. At night, he went to bed with his wife at the usual time, and when she thought that he'd fallen asleep, she got up, opened the door, and then lay down again. The little tailor, who was only pretending to be asleep, began to cry out in a clear voice, Oh boy, make me the doublet and patch me the pantaloons, or I'll wrap the yard measure over your ears. I slayed seven at one blow. I killed two giants. I brought away one unicorn and caught a wild boar. And now I am expected to fear those who are standing outside the room. When these men heard the tailor speaking thus, they were overcome by a great dread and ran as if the wild hunter were behind them, and none of them would venture anything further against him. So the little tailor was a king and remained one. the end of his life the end
1: We're back with a bang, with a huge bang. I don't know if it's just sort of like absence makes the heart grow fonder, if it's just the fact I'm excited to be back in the castle by the fire reading some Brothers Grimm uh, fairy tales, or if that was just legitimately, objectively a fantastic story, but I loved that. I loved it. So glad to hear that. It's so good. Well, thank you, patrons, for kicking things off
0: in style. Yeah. I think we can all agree. Excellent choice for for the first episode back. I don't want to, like, blow my own trumpet, but, you know, I almost certainly had, well, undue influence, perhaps, on this. <laughs> uh, so That's you blowing your own trumpet. Thank you. <laughs> I was trying to keep it quiet. So, if you remember, we did our, announced our patron poll. Yeah. So we have all the remaining stories we have, of volume one of The Brothers Grimm, we've got six or seven stories left, technically. Yeah. So we put them all in a poll. And then I said, this is one that I'm excited about.
1: Mm. And you think that's what swayed
0: it? You might remember that one of the reasons I possibly swayed it was I implied that it might be another thumbling story.
1: I see.
0: It's not thumbling. I mean, he, he sort of becomes thumbling because he's hanging out with giants, yeah, if that yeah, makes yeah. sense. But uh, but it's definitely not thumbling. I mean, thumbling is even more obnoxious than he is. Yeah. If you can imagine that, they're they're different characters. But I think uh, I seem to remember I was I was sort of admonishing you like, why have you not picked a story called <laughs> yeah, The Valiant yeah. Little Tailor? Yeah. Especially when it could be about thumbling. So you know, I mean, I feel a bit bad about implying that, uh, but it seems to have paid off. I
1: think it's all worked out very well in the end. That what an excellent story to, to kick things off with. Seven in one blow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so many things in that story that already feel iconic to me. I just I know. love it. I what love a it. catchphrase. Oh, Honestly. Podcast fantastic. catchphrase. Seven in one blow.
0: I mean, how do we pick this story early on? Oh, yeah. It would have been very... Part of uh, like
1: deep grim reading lore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It would have stayed with us, I think. I think so. I mean, you say Thumbling's more obnoxious. <laughs> well i i thought the valiant little taylor he's very sort of james bond in his own mind
0: <laughs> well he's just sort of breezing through yeah. dropping these little witticisms yeah yeah, like, yeah. that's child's play <laughs> yeah. you know just sort of everything's kind of easy oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. just making little quips
1: i think it's it's um It's a demonstration of how far you can get with nothing but extreme, obnoxious level of of confidence, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, what's it called? Fake it till you make it. Fake it it till you make it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Exactly. Fake it till you make it.
1: Yeah. Although making it, now I think about it, making it consists of living out your days married to the queen who hates you and wants you dead. (laughs) Well, I mean,
0: that sentence was extraordinary, wasn't it? Um, Yeah. You, you know the one I mean. The one where oh, it yeah, yeah. says, The wedding was held with great magnificence and small joy,
1: and out of a tailor a king was made. I mean, beautiful sentence. With a lot going on in it. Yeah. And I think that... So the first part of it is quite um, bleak, as I said before. Well, yeah, exactly. It's like... You know what? What was it again? The wedding.
0: The wedding was held with great magnificence and small joy. Great magnificence, small joy. Yeah. That's what you want from a wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably want a wedding the other way around.
1: Yeah, less about the spectacle and more heartfelt emotion. (laughs) Exactly. Happiness. Yeah.
0: I love his uh, final speech that he does, where he's like, "Patch the pantaloons and I'll wrap you with the yard measure. I've killed seven at one blow. Two giants. (laughs) I've caught a boar and a
1: unicorn." the, The guys at the door are like. Hang on, wait. He's talking about us. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <No>! <laughs> <laughs> Run away screaming. Slight plot hole with that. Okay. So the first time he utters that sentence. The first one we found of the evening. Yeah. He was dreaming. Yeah. How does he know the exact words to say now that he's awake? He doesn't know what he said in his sleep. Yeah, no, it, didn't make, didn't make it doesn't make really. sense. doesn't make sense. I mean, my only
0: explanation, my only way I can plug that plot hole is to think it was an incredible coincidence. <laughs> yeah.
1: But he just uttered those words a lot over the years and so he yeah. just knew that stock phrase. He thought, that's the kind of thing I'd say? Yeah. But, oh, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> Never would have guessed that. That, those were, that was his catchphrase before he settled on seven and one blow. Yeah. <laughs> seven and one blow. Everyone needs
0: a catchphrase. <laughs> I... I Wow. I love he had it embroidered on a girdle. On a
1: girdle. So you
0: can see him like opening his jacket. Why? Like, this is the kind of man I am.
1: Seven at one blow. Seven. Seven flies. Okay.
0: Okay. All right. There's a lot. There's a lot going on there's here, everybody. So, so much. Time quite there. a lot to deal with here yeah. at the castle.
1: We're just sort of trying to readjust to the grim world. We really are. Okay. It starts off a woman selling jam. Yeah, I mean uh, how we get from there to where we end up I do not know she offers him jam he, he opens all the jars and smells it like he's a, some sort of jam commissar. but he like, oh, this is good jam are you going to go through the entire story <laughs> <tell> it again <laughs> in this pace no so slower than the actual story. okay I mean uh, but, but the truly disgusting image of like hordes of flies coming off mm, the, why he mm. obviously doesn't It's not a very cleanly person. Cleanly? Is that a word? I don't know. It is now. It's not a very clean person. Um, Because his house is full of flies. They fly down. Imagine a big swarm of flies on this lovely little bread and jam. He... Now I'm going to say something potentially controversial. He gets seven. Hmm. I'd say that's on the low side. I don't even think that's that impressive. (gasps) Carefully, yeah, hears well, you say that? well, this is what I mean. I mean uh, it's controversial. It's controversial. Oh, my lord. If you swatted seven flies, would you be, would you, would you what would you, what would you sew that onto? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very specific
0: question. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I just go with a patch on my bag, I wouldn't yeah. go the full girdle, I don't yeah. think. Yeah, it doesn't call for a girdle, I don't know. It doesn't call for a girdle. <laughs> It is impre- you know. It's quite hard to swat a fly. So to be fair, to get true. a seven in one blow. Yeah, I suppose. Did you used to have a technique? You know, with the tea towel, the dishcloth. Oh, of like twirling it up. yeah. Twirling it up and then getting the like the perfect hit. Yeah. That's sort of what I was picturing. In if the you story. get
1: it right and it's like the right length, you can. It goes past the speed of sound. <laughs> is that true? Uh, it, it's true with whips. So I don't think it's true with tea towels, but.
0: Okay, but it might be because when you when you get that perfect Yeah <laughs> yeah. It's such a good feeling.
1: It is a good feeling yeah. when you when you get a because flies are just the worst.
0: Well that yeah but I mean even if you just sort of do it on the kitchen countertop. Oh I so, see you're just doing it for fun. Just for fun, just yeah, for That's yeah, yeah, yeah. we it got very lonely in the summer in the castle. <laughs> so what
1: was your what was your favourite bit of the story? There's just too many bits, there's too many bits I, that, that bits. whole opening was incredible. I just love that, and the fact that he's so pleased about that that he goes out to tell the world, I love him uh, stumbling across the giant and and he says something like um, something about oh you sat up here looking over the whole world, and he's like that's where i 'm going like <laughs> yeah. the world I'm off to the world it's ambitious little tale <laughs> That, that was great. That made me chuckle. Um, so basically, okay, from then on out, you've got a series of battles, haven't you? You've got him versus the giant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then ultimately the giants. yeah. Then it's him versus the two giants in the forest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then it's him versus the unicorn. Mm-hmm. Him versus the boar. Yeah. And then him versus the um, king's... The, right at the end that sort of that little, sort of a little close, mini battle
0: little closing challenge Epilogue, yeah. yeah you know i made a like flow chart diagram <laughs> no, <laughs> to, no
1: to way. track them i
0: think you need it for this story though uh, i mean i was going to get to it a bit later but um, you know now that you're sort of breaking it down it is overwhelming yeah and there is a potential slight problem with the number and the way that they're structured which breaks kind of fairy tale rules so yeah so we have, you know, the bit with the fly, and then he goes out into the world. Seven yeah. at one blow. And he's out in a little big, wide world. And then you've got, as you say, the bit with the first giant. Yeah. And that's broken down into different challenges. So you've got the uh, squeezing the cheese, yep. throwing the bird, yep. carrying the tree, <laughs> and jump, jumping over the tree. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Just an so extraordinary set of um,
0: phrases. So those are essentially four challenges that you've got there. Mm -hmm. We then move on to the next section, which is where he's with the king. And the king sets him three challenges. Yeah. You've got the giants in the woods, the unicorn and the boar. Those are the three challenges together. Then he marries the princess and then you've got that final little thing. Yeah. Now we'll talk about the sort of evolution of this story a bit later. Yeah. Uh, But what's happened there is we should have... Three challenges and then three challenges. But we've actually got four Four. challenges and then three challenges. And that was a specific decision made by the Grimm's, which kind of makes the story a bit wonky. You've messed with the rule of three. So it does feel like you're sort of just swamped with all these things happening. Yeah. I'd say that's my only... Beef is a bit of a strong word (laughs) with the story. But, you know, that's the only potential problem with the story, I'd say. That it's gone a bit sort of shonky, wonky.
1: Because it's broken the rule of three or because it's sort of you end up with too many challenges?
0: Well I think it's because it's broken the rule of three. Yeah. Even though sometimes the rule of three can be a little bit tedious because you've got to go through the motions three times. Yeah. In this case that doesn't apply because it's all so great. Yeah. Uh, but I, w- I mean I was gonna ask you, do you think there's too
1: much going on in this story? Or do you think there's enough like it, it works perfectly as it is? I think part of its charm for me is that there's too much going on like that's that's uh that's a positive when there's so much going on that your head hurts a little bit it's that's when you know you're onto the good stuff people talk about people having chaotic energy this guy <laughs> yeah. is pure chaos oh i love him he's brilliant <laughs> he's so good he's just so i mean you know
0: They're looking for a new Bond, aren't they? After Daniel Craig. I mean, I think we've got a candidate here. Fanny
1: Little Taylor. Who's
0: born for that role.
1: If Bond rocked up with a pocket full of old cheese and a bird. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant.
0: (laughs) Shreving at one blow. One thought I had on um, this story, kind of thinking about it in terms of the context of, of the other stories we've heard. Yeah. It felt to me like, as a story, it's mixing... The folky, funny anecdote stories with the classic fairy tale. So we've come across before the kind of folk joke story where a peasant or some lowly person like a tailor through some clever tricks and luck defeats others and improves their station. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking stories like The Little Peasant and Clever Gretel. That was, that was yeah,
1: yeah just what I was thinking.
0: And usually those types of stories, they're funny or comical and they're set within a smaller world as well. Yeah. And then we've also got the classic fairy tale where the hero heroine is at home. They leave home. They go into a forest. Some magical stuff happens. They overcome a challenge and marry a prince or princess. So, I mean, there you've got Rapunzel, Snow White, the girl without hands, the pink, just to name a few. Yeah, yeah. So what I thought about The Valiant Little Tailor is it's like you have the fun folk comedic story, but you placed it in the framework of a classical fairy tale where he sort of goes through, deals with these challenges and marries the princess. That's an interesting point, yeah. And I'd say it's notable as well that uh, the class element in there as well stood yep. out to me. You know, for example, where it says, um, <laughs> said, there was that line, it said, if the king had known he was a tailor, he would have been, Touched his heart even more. He would
1: have been even more sad yeah. that his daughter had to marry a tailor. I know. It's quite offensive to tailors, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And well, to just like working class just people. Just to everybody. Yeah,
0: But yeah, I think, I guess my main point is, I was a bit rambly, but my main point is like, it's, we've mixed two different types of stories together.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think it's all the better for it. I think like, I mean, obviously like you said, the closest we've had to this is uh, the two Thumbling stories. Particularly Thumbling as Journeyman. But, and uh, so I think Thumbling, it's like a funny story and he has wacky adventures, but there's no question that Thumbling is going to like marry into royalty or like get the no. princess or anything. So this like takes it one step further into traditional fairy tale territory.
0: Exactly, that's what I mean. Those yeah. sorts of stories, the sort of comedic ones set among the lower classes, they stay in a smaller world. Yeah. Whereas this one puts it in the bigger world of the royals and the king and you become the king. Yeah. Normally you don't get that in the sort of funny stories about, you know, tailors or peasants or whatever.
1: Yeah. I think that's part of why it's just so great.
0: This story is called
1: Das tapfere Schneiderlein. Das tapfere Schneiderlein. Okay, I'm going to take your word for it and Lisa Marie's word for it. Yes,
0: thank you very much. That was uh, from Lisa Marie, our German language consultant. She's
1: back for Series 5. Thank <laughs> oh, yeah. you, Lisa Marie. Already on it. Matt, can you repeat that for me? What is it called? Well, I did. I told her I think I could have a good go at this one.
0: Yeah. Das tapfere Schneiderlein. Wow. Or the the valiant or brave little tailor. Sometimes it's translated as brave, this story.
1: I feel like that's pretty
0: equivalent Yeah, absolutely yes wording Syn- synonym. Now I'm going to quickly as quickly as I can take us through the development of this story. Okay. So the changes that the Grimms made to it. Uh but I thought it worth reminding us all here at the start of the series. That the Brothers Grimm weren't the authors of original stories, like, say, Hans Christian Andersen was. Sure. The Grimm's fairy tale collection was a mission to collect the folk tales, the stories of the German peoples. Yeah. And so they compiled their collection of fairy tales based on... Research of old texts and from oral sources that they had as well. People who told them the stories. Yeah. They had some reading groups as well where they'd sit down and people would share stories. Uh, Sometimes they got written submissions. Sometimes friends sent interesting obscure stories that they'd heard. And for the most part, I'd say they had a few families that they relied on. So that's how they got their fairy tales. Yeah. Uh, They published the first collection of fairy tales in 1812 and then for the next few decades they revised and changed the stories and the translation i just read the english language translation that we use is based on the final 1857 version of the Grimm's fairy tales the last one they
1: published whichever that was fifth sixth eighth seventh i believe (laughs) literally the one i didn't say (laughs) i think because you knew it deep down maybe yeah i think it was worth reminding us of this (laughs) (laughs) i mean i've learned so much already You're the (laughs) co-host.
0: You should know this. Uh, They also, uh, because of all this, they annotated their fairy tales. They wrote notes about each one. Yeah. So here's what they had to say on the valiant little tailor. The first half is taken from two stories from Hess, which complement each other. The second, from the place where the tailor leaves the giants and betakes himself to the king's court, is from a somewhat rare little book. Werkkurzer, a very amusing and unusually diverting little book by Martinus Montanus of Strasbourg, 1557. Martinus Montanus? Martinus Montanus of Strasbourg. What an extraordinary name. This part can stand alone, but as it fits naturally to the end of what has gone before, it is here joined to it, and therefore rewritten. In the first edition may be seen the unaltered copy. Translation, they've taken two stories and mesh them together. Uh-huh. One is a literary source taken from a 16th century book, and the other is composed from two oral sources. So
1: technically it's three.
0: Te- te- I didn't want to confuse anyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there's a big danger of that in this. It, it's quite simple, but hard to explain. So I'm doing my
1: best. Like the story itself.
0: Yeah. Indeed. And as they say, you can see this in the first edition. So, that took me, naturally, to the first edition. Of course. In which there is the entry, The Valiant Little Tailor, and then there's two stories. There's story one and story two, which, as they say there, they later basically knit them together into one
1: story. But what is it, Valiant Little Tailor one and two? Or it's just, like, different versions of...
0: Yeah, I mean... Well, I can explain all that now. I really don't want to make this more complicated than it okay, is. Okay, let's but, not. Let's well, not. But, no, but if I lose you, just let me know. Okay. Because okay. <laughs> I might make it seem complicated, but that's entirely my fault.
1: How do I raise the alarm? <laughs> just start screaming? Just cry.
0: Okay. You know, the usual yeah, way that yeah. you do it. <laughs> uh, now, okay, so the story one in the first edition. Mm-hmm. This one is from uh, the literary source. It's taken from a book by Martin Montanus. And if I'm not mistaken, they just lifted it verbatim and republished it here. Okay. So, really quick. It opens with, there was a tailor who lived in the city of Romandia. Romandia? Now, I believe Romandia, that's referring to Romandie, which is a part of Western Switzerland.
1: Romandy. Never it, heard of
0: it. Set in Switzerland. Okay, interesting. Swiss tailor. No good jam in that one. Oh. He just has a humble apple that the flies go for. And once he's dispatched with them, he doesn't get a girdle. He gets a full suit of (laughs) armour inscribed with seven at one blow. Wow. This story skips straight to the the armoured-up tailor going to the king and doing the last three challenges. Okay. Uh, The giants he tricks into fighting each other, the unicorn capturing, and the boar chapel imprisoning. I see. Which was the second half of our story. Uh, Now, in this one as well, it's interesting that He isn't described as little, but he is described as simple-minded,
1: lazy, and scared. It's uh, planting its flag quite squarely in the sort of anti-Taylor camp, isn't it? Definitely. Making it quite explicit.
0: Well, this was, as I say, from uh, Martin Montanus. I I don't know how many times I'm going to say that name. (laughs) It's quite fun to say. I'm I'm enjoying the name. Uh, And it was published in 1557. Martin was a German comic poet and dramatist from Strasbourg. So that was the first one. The second story, so the Valiant Little Taylor, story two, this is taken from uh, an oral source told directly to the Grimms. Yeah. Do we know that source? We do. Okay. I'll just I'll tell you the story first and then we'll go to the source. Hold that thought. Okay. So in this one, he is a little tailor, and the three challenges here are the ones with the giant so you get the cheese squeezing the bird throwing and the jumping over the tree okay not the tree carrying okay and that's the first half of our story yep. that we had Yep. you get the good jam in this one the good, oh, fantastic good jam cheap but the catchphrase adam is not seven Twenty
1: nine with one stroke. See, that is that's worth no. shouting about. Yes. Now, would. if I did that, I would be going out into the world with a commemorative girdle on. Well, in this one, he gets a belt. Just a, okay, a simple, just belt. a belt. Just okay. A belt. Yeah. I actually like this guy. He's keeping it humble. And I mean, that's pretty humble for someone. What's a Twenty nine. Twenty nine. That is. Adam's impressed. Yeah, I'm impressed. Yeah. I, I'm really impressed by that.
0: But it's actually very strange this one because it's kind of weird. So. The story just suddenly comes to an abrupt end. Okay. So he's chatting with a giant, the bit you like. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go in the world. And suddenly in my book, it says, brackets, the rest of the tale is missing. Close brackets. <gasps> I don't, I don't have a clue what's why, going on there. Why is it missing? I don't know. We don't, I didn't have time. I thought life's too short. So I just let that mystery go.
1: D- did, did. Did the oral source get halfway through telling them the story well, that's and why it might just doesn't, stop? It doesn't like, make sense. If yeah. it was a
0: literary source, that might make sense because yeah. the page is torn out. But this is an oral source. It <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Uh, well, this brings us to the source of the story. Uh-huh. The source of that particular unfinished tale was the close friends of the Grimms and regular contributors, the Hassemflug family. The Hassemflugs were a wealthy family from Hesse provided many stories to the Grimm's collection. They're one of the key sources of the fairy tales. They've come up before. We're not sure which member of the family provided this one. Okay. But we know it was the Hassan Pflugs. So those two different stories were uh, spliced together from the second edition of the fairy tales in 1819.
1: The two being the one from the two orals? Sources (laughs) Sources <laughs> and the one from the literary source from the 1600s. It is confusing, isn't it? Very confusing.
0: Okay. Did that make sense, though? Yeah,
1: it, it does.
0: It does. But as we've seen many a time, the Grimms were always tinkering with their tails. And when they squished these two together, they added that extra element, the unbalancing final missing ingredient, the tree-carrying trick.
1: Was that a missing ingredient?
0: Well, I mean, a missing unnecessary ingredient. <laughs> I
1: guess anything's a
0: missing yeah, true. Ingredient. When you
1: add it and it wasn't there before, it was missing. And it wasn't meant to be, there. <laughs> the
0: Grimm's always doing weird stuff, as we've seen many a time. Yeah. We don't know why they do the things they do. A couple
1: of wacky guys. So, yeah, so they messed that up.
0: Um, <laughs> in terms of the provenance of the story, like as a story type, how far back we can trace this in history... Mm-hmm. The Martin Montanus version is the oldest one that we have, which, as I said, was from 1557. Right. That's the earliest surviving version of this tale type. Wow. But from that time onwards, there are many versions of this brave little tailor story that pop up in the written record for the next several hundred years. Okay. And interestingly, Around the time of uh, Martin Montanus I'll <laughs> stop saying that <laughs> No, 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 no. Uh, keep going. So in that, the early modern era, essentially the 16th century, this story is clearly uh, meant as a satire of the traditional medieval chivalric romances. So you have, in place of a gallant, valiant, strong knight no, yeah. rescuing a princess, you have a lowly, stupid tailor. It's a, it was a funny, satirical story.
1: Okay. Making fun of grand stories of brave acts. And that might explain as well why he's got the suit of armour as well. Okay, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that makes sense. So that's where the story begins and it survived right up to the Grimm's and beyond. The Disney film The Brave Little Tailor won the Oscar for Best Animated Short Film in
1: 1939. What? I did not know there was a
0: Disney version of this. There is, and it's Mickey Mouse as the Brave Little tailor. Wow. <laughs> I think it's on, on YouTube in full. No way. Yeah, so not yourself out. Gotta check that out. In fact, up until the twenty tens, the two thousand and tens, every decade since the nineteen thirties has had a film adaption of this story. Seriously. Till the twenty tens. Wow. It's not too late for the 2020s though. We can we can bring it back.
1: Yeah, why did people stop? That's fascinating. That's amazing. I just had a random thought. I was just It's just a random thought. When was the last edition um, yeah, last edition of Kindred and House Market? 1857. I think. 1857. Okay. So that... At the time of releasing that film, 1939, that would make that story Hmm. about uh, 82, no, 82 years old. I'll take your word for it. So, that would have been as old to them as something from 1940 would be to us today. So, basically, that film. So, that film is as old to us, that Disney (gasps) film is as old to us now as the... Brothers Grimm published tale was to the filmmakers. Isn't that insane?
0: Absolutely bonkers. It feels like a bigger leap from the uh, mid-19th century sort of Victorian era to
1: Disney Oscar-winning films than Disney Oscar-winning films to now. Totally. And I think there's a a psychological barrier in my mind of sort of anything pre-1900 as just sort of history. Even though that's obviously not how it works, and everything 1900s onwards is sort of like... Modern. Yeah, modern. And there's this like dividing line, maybe like Queen Victoria or something. Mm-hmm, yeah. And it's, it's just stupid, isn't it? it? It's not how it works. No, yeah. Um, well,
0: I mean, anyway... Just, well, yeah, long story short, Adam, <laughs> the Grimm's Valiant Little Tailor comes from two places. Yep. An oral source, the some Flukes of Hesse, and a literary source, Martin Montanus. It's been a long evening. It has. I think it's now time to give a score
1: to The Valiant Little Taylor. So this is the part of the episode where Matt and I give the story we've just heard a score out of 10, based purely subjectively on how how we enjoyed it. Um, And I've got to say, incredible story. I really, really enjoyed it. And it's not, it's not uncommon for me to reach this point of the episode and go, I've not given this any thought whatsoever. No. But I have been giving this in thought okay. throughout this
0: recording. That's why your eyes were glazed over. <laughs> <while> I <was laughs> and I was like, on.
1: yeah, just in the corner of sleep. I've thought about it. Wow. Because I really like that oh. for so many reasons. Do you want to list them? Okay. I love a mad one. (laughs) There's a catchphrase. Now that is a catchphrase. (laughs) Yeah. That's a proper uh, podcast catchphrase. It's it's absurd. It's like a farce, isn't it? This guy being so pleased about killing some flies that he has to advertise it on himself and then he, he ends up getting into all these scrapes. I love the little contests. I love the little trickery involved in that. Uh, Great devices. So they worked for you, those little tricks? They really did work. And I think it's not uncommon for stories we hear to tread similar ground. And when you come across a story like this, however many episodes we are into this podcast, we've had 80-odd stories or somewhere, I don't even know around that mark. And it's... Amazing to come across a story that genuinely has some key differences to, to anything we've heard before. It feels very different. I could go on and on about how much I love the story, but mm. long story short, mm. as we often say before waxing poetic, I think I'm going to give this. Oh my goodness. Matt, I'm going to give this a nine out of 10. Wow. straight out of the gate a nine for the opening episode of the series i
0: think so i think it deserves it adam i think you i think you might be right yeah i think it might deserve it goodness me it. i mean it's hard to to tell as you said earlier like how much is it just sort of lovely to be back reading these stories because we've had a long summer break yeah how much influence does that have yeah. If this were at the end of a series, we were jaded. <laughs> Would <laughs> we look on it differently, less favorably? But I do think this is a really, really good one.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: I don't have much to add really to what you said. I think it was great. It was fun. It was surprising. It had fantastic little moments in it. Uh, and in many ways, it reminded me of some of the best stories we've had. Yeah. Including The Devil with the Three Golden Hairs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Episode 40 of Grim Reading.
1: Excellent story.
0: Again, you have this sort of cocky uh, main character going through these crazy situations and winning. The story of the youth who went forth to learn what fear was. Yeah, that came to mind. Episode 13 of Grim Reading. Yeah. In other words, like my favourite stories. Yeah. uh, Exactly. It's similar to them. Yeah. It's clever. It's fun. It's interesting. It's a great adventure to go on. I, I often think it comes down to as well How it goes on the night Yeah Because I, you know, I read these stories a lot And sometimes I think this is going to be great And it doesn't really connect with you yeah. And then other times I'm like This isn't great And I and end th- up loving it And you end up loving it This time it's worked The stars have aligned Stars have aligned Everything's worked Nine I'm going to go
1: nine oh, Look at that That's an 18 out of 20 Wow That is top tier no question. The,
0: I mean, I think I don't have the uh, leaderboard to hand, but I'm I'm that's top
1: three material. I think. Yeah. Wowzers. I know, and it does. There's a little part of you that feels a little bit sick now. I'm imagining. Same with me. <laughs> yes. Like, oh dear, what have we done? But no, it's a good story. <laughs> that's the thing, isn't it? It's really great.
0: I've just checked our uh,
1: <laughs> stories,
0: uh, our spreadsheet with all yeah. our story scores on it. Adam, that is now joint second place. Okay. In the overall story scores. Okay. With Hansel and Gretel. Yeah. And Little Red Riding Hood. Okay. That feels slightly insane. It does. But what a way to start a series.
1: Yeah, I mean, start. Strong, right? (laughs) Yeah, and let the controversy (laughs) (laughs) unfold. Well, let us know what you think of that. (laughs) Are we insane? Is that the right thing to do? I feel a little bit ill now. Hey, look, you know, seven at one blow, that's
0: our kind of guy, right? Exactly. That's our kind of story. Yeah. I'm standing by that.
1: Yeah. I think that was a good story. It's a story that starts with a tailor buying some jam and ends up with him in bed with the queen. What more is there to say? Yeah, come on. (laughs) Fantastic. What a fantastic start to the series. Amazing. I'm so happy to be back. So, now, excellent story. Great way to start the series. Uh, As Matt said before, this was the winner of our Patreon poll. Mm -hmm. We have seven stories left of volume one to read. Six now that we've ticked off The Valiant Little Tailor. So that was the winner of the poll. But now it's time to announce what the next six stories are going to be in Series 5.
0: Based on the voting in
1: the story poll. Exactly. Exactly right. So, Valiant Little Table was the winner. That had 39% of the vote. Next episode, we will be reading... Frederick and Catherine with twenty-seven percent of the vote. Interesting. I'm excited about that one. After that, we have the tailor in heaven. It's another tailor. It's another tailor. Sixteen percent of the vote there. A tailor in heaven? What's he? Who is it? The same tailor? Why is he in heaven? Could that be a sequel? I mean, don't, don't, don't hurt me now. (laughs) Don't build me up. Just thought eighteen was a high score. (laughs) Wait till we get to that one. Oh, I'm not going to sleep now. And then we have shock horror. A draw between faithful John and the two brothers with 8% of the vote apiece. Wow.
0: Now, the good news there is Mm -hmm. that, Adam, that means not all your story choosing responsibilities have been taken away this series. I think it's only fair that you... We'll have to choose between them, which we read first.
1: Yes, in the event of a tie, I think it reverts back to me. And. Not today, though. We'll deal with that another time. Really? Yeah. I mean, I've made my decision. Well, I'll keep it to yourself. Okay, fine, 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 fine. And then, last place from the poll. So, penultimate story yes, yes. that we're hearing this series is the old man and his grandson. Aww. With a respectable 2% of the vote. So Whoa, not that respectable. That's not respectable. That's, that's embarrassing. That's really bad, isn't it? Poor little old man and his grandson.
0: Habitual loser of previous story polls. Yeah. Uh, and has now lost the ultimate <laughs> last story poll. You've never picked it. Basically, it's the story that nobody wants to hear.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I, I'm talking to the old man and his grandson. That's Um And then... With 0% of the vote, because no one voted for this. This was a decision we made uh, a while ago. The final story of Series 5, and indeed of Volume 1 of mm-hmm. The Brothers Grimm's Tales. It's going to be the one, mm-hmm. the only, yeah. Cinderella. <gasps> wow. Which everyone knew already, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. You've <laughs> got to, you got to uh, inject some drama into these things. That'll be our last famous brother's Grimm story bittersweet moment crazy
0: yeah uh okay well just to quickly run through that again so the remaining stories we have for this series are frederick and catherine the tailor in heaven faithful john and the two brothers the old man and his grandson and rounding things off with cinderella
1: yes exciting
0: so it's going to be a great series and it's shaping up very well certainly is I mean, I really hope it's not all downhill from here. <laughs> I certainly so. hope not. Thanks so much uh, for joining us and for sticking with us if you've waited patiently over the summer. We you know, we don't normally, even though I blew my own trumpet earlier, we don't normally blow our own trumpet too much. But uh, I thought, you know, at the start of the series, it's a good opportunity to remind listeners that you can join our Patreon, where you'll find our uh, patron-only podcast, Grim Fables. Yeah. Where Adam reads... Aesop Fables, and I sometimes share any extras that didn't make uh, our Grim Reading episodes, any sort of extra material that we didn't have time for. Yeah, it's good fun. We also do the odd
1: movie review
0: in them. Yeah. Uh, we're actually planning on a, a movie review uh, this month or next month. I haven't actually told Adam that yet, <laughs> but uh, that's uh, in the works. It's exciting. And you'll also get access to our special episodes that we do on non-grim stories so far we've had the Pied piper and the little mermaid yep which we did this summer
1: that, that was an excellent episode little mermaid
0: also over the summer we've been quite busy we produced an eight episode limited mini series for our higher tier patrons yep the voyages of sinbad the sailor
1: that's just so much stuff ah oh, i mean what excellent value uh, it really is a lot <laughs> happening at, at castle grim um, and I, for one, am really excited <laughs> to sit down with you again by the fire for Frederick and Catherine. Adam, I want to
0: see you and Frederick and Catherine next time for more Grim Mania. And I can't wait. It's a date. I'll see you there.
1: See you next time. See ya. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to find out how, and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook at grimreading. You can find us on podbean at podbean.com slash grimreading, and we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Big grand.